at the end of the second writing season, I, I knew that I had a lot to address. And that that winter, I kind of went through the, this evaluative process of understanding kind of where my heart was and what I needed to achieve, reaffirming my dedication to, to the trip. And by the time the third writing season came around, I was in a much better headspace and a much better physical space. One of the great American adventure stories is of a storm. A great internal rumbling thunders its way through a snow-covered land. It cracks and breaks through a dog finding his way to a prehistoric call from the wild. He must learn to shake free from his old life, one that kept him too weak to survive the American wilderness. In January 2005, Matt Parker overwintered his own storm. At his parents' home in Ann Arbor, he worked on physical strength and finding a way out of reliance on prescription painkillers. You know, I was very open about it with my family and saying, like, this, this doesn't feel healthy to me. Like, this can't be the way. You know, like, at that point, I was young enough that I was like, okay, this, this can't be a solution. The first storm Matt Parker faced in his third riding season was in many ways self-gathered and self-weathered. But it would only be the first storm of many ahead. This is Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Chapter 10, American Whirlwind. The year began with a real gift in Matt's recovery a new equine partner in the form of a broad-shouldered, creamy champagne Appaloosa named Silver. Horse trainer Ole Lindgren had secured his purchase in Anemone, Utah. Ole got him, and he shipped him out, and um, just started working with him all the time. I started just, like, sleeping there and camping out next to him and just working with him all day long, you know, like, so that he and I were kind of cohabitating for all the months leading up to the trip. Why did you ship him to Michigan rather than shipping yourself out to Utah? Because I had too many things to get through, I think. And I want, I just, I needed to be kind of, you know, closer to home to undergo probably five or six major overhauls mentally, physically, training a horse, you know, staying with the horse all the time and getting my gear in order uh, to, to take off again. I, you know, I just, I, I, that was not something I could do remotely. After months of training, of working with Silver and camping with him in the chill of a Michigan winter and spring, Matt felt the trail call from eastern Kansas. His dad, Bill, helped load Silver up in an Art Deco side-by-side trailer that they fixed up together. And they hit the road in late May. I returned to Osage City, Kansas, where I had left off the year prior. And he and I drove back out from Ann Arbor, and he dropped me off in Osage City. Did you do it in a day? No. Because um, you'd have to get, like, how did you, what did you do? Like, stop along the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's even, rest a, stops there's even a photo of us letting Silver out at a rest stop. That's funny. Is that legal? I don't know. I didn't ask. <laughs> and if, if there's one thing that the horse trip has taught me, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission a lot of the time. I was dropped off there. 
uh, and I started heading east. And there was a some of the more poignant, interesting photos, professional photos that had been taken of me during that period of time were taken from this photographer that lived in in Ottawa uh, City, Kansas, eastern side of Kansas. My name is John Nowak. Uh, I am a photographer living in Atlanta, Georgia. John grew up in the suburbs of eastern Kansas. Strip malls and big box stores dotting communities between undulating hills blanketed by grasses. In 2005, he was, like Matt, in his mid-20s. A long-time interest in capturing images on film had led to a budding photojournalism career at the Ottawa Herald. It was a 6,000 circulation newspaper in a town of 10,000 people. Um, very small local community news. And uh, I wanted to have a big impact, but most of the time I was covering, you know, high school baseball and, uh, you know, business openings and ribbon cuttings and those kind of things. So I was trying to find my own stories to cover that I thought would be interesting. And I think when I think I read about, you know, Matt starting out in Osage City, and of course, I pull out the map and I'm like, okay, that's technically within our coverage area. And, uh, you know, selfishly, I, I wanted something entertaining that I thought would be, you know, that would give me some good pictures. Guy riding his horse across the United States, you know, sounded really romantic and thought would lead to some interesting images. And he followed me for a while. It was kind of funny in a way. Like I could I could be riding down the side of the road on my way to the Missouri border. And I would look over and he'd be like in the bar ditch, you know, like, you know, taking pictures of me or something like that. It was really interesting. And he was there this one one night when when a tornado was touching down right around Ottawa City and it was the angriest scariest storm i'd i'd ever beheld in my life matt had encountered all manner of nature's beauty and brutality over the past 2 years heat and cold that permeate to the bone sideways wind and rain that grab at the skin from inexplicable angles. He'd even once saw a ball of blinding white electric light, a phenomenon literally called ball lightning, move across the plain in front of him. But he hadn't yet encountered the sheer force of a tornado in Kansas. John, however, had become accustomed to framing funnels as a photojournalist. The, the hard weather was something we were we just grew up with and it was always something we were familiar with. Taking pictures of it and capturing it was something that kind of just, I mean, honestly, as a young guy, just thrilled me. Um, and watching, you know, something we had absolutely no control over. I think storms always scared me deep down. I was, I was, I was never that arrogant that I didn't know their impact because I, I would go to the aftermath of tornadoes and see how destructive they were. But I did appreciate how beautiful, you know, something, uh, something on that scale could be. And I think that's why I wanted to capture it. One of the great American adventure stories begins with a storm. A tornado whips through Kansas. It lifts a girl and her dog up with the whole house, whirls them around, and displaces them to a land of enchantment they traverse to find their way home. On this particular evening in the rolling hills of eastern Kansas, 
Matt Parker and Silver and the young photojournalist began looking for shelter as a pillowy purple cloud shelf formed to the west. And it was getting late and the sun was going down. And I think we, we went to this, these people's house who I didn't know. They had, a, you know. they had a small parcel of property and they had a horse barn. The series of photographs are me knocking on the front door of this big farmhouse. And he goes and knocks on the door. It may have been 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And um, this old couple comes outside. Looking at me through the screen door. And he just he introduces himself and explains what's going on. And they're like, okay, you know, sure. Bring your horse around back. You can, you can stay here. And they're saying, yeah, it's fine. You can put your horse out in the paddock. It was almost surreal. Like who does that? You know, (laughs) who shows up on a stranger's doorstep with a horse in tow and asks if he can stay in their barn for the night. I remember that picture because they're out there standing on their front porch to this stranger, you know, trying to comprehend what's going on. At the same time, I'm over in the corner taking pictures of them, you know, not introducing myself at all. Like, I have no idea what they thought when they first opened the door. There was no way for me to bring silver into that barn. There was, it was full of stuff. Like, there was no place to put him. Like, there's no room at the inn, basically. But I could go inside the barn. And I slept on some hay bales that night. When the tornado was forming, I'm sitting there looking at the storm with, you know, hail and wind and, you know, just scary scenario. Silver is outside and he, you know, like horses do, he had put his butt to the storm, you know, tucked his tail in and just put his head down and was just riding it out while getting pummeled, you know, by hail and wind and everything. And there's no, no place for me to put him. And he just, he was fine, actually. He was probably seemed more fine than me, I guess. But there's a photo captured of me sitting there looking, you know, like sitting with my, like, hand, like, you know, my hand on my forehead, just looking like, holy shit. Like, what is going on? Like, what what's going to happen here? Because there's no place I can go. And I'm in this giant barn. I mean, honestly, you know, what Matt had been through, I mean, I, he just couldn't ca- catch an easy break, you know, whether he had horse problems or injury problems or, or weather problems, or he just couldn't find a place to hole up for the night. You know, I just, maybe he was just, this is what I have to accept. You know, this is what's going through. Like, sure. Why not? Like, just go ahead, throw a tornado at me. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's get dirty. In the narrow corridor of the barn, Matt watched a raccoon family in the rafters peek out on occasion amidst the howl outside. The storm passed through Kansas and rolled into Missouri, the whole middle section of the country unknowingly entering an on-ramp for a hellacious season. In two days, Matt would cross out of Kansas, over the invisible border ignored by Mother Nature. He'd say goodbye to the young photojournalist who had journeyed with him for a spell. You know, the funny thing was, is after we published the story, you know, Matt Matt said this thing about, uh, he said, he was talking about just the land, 
and he was like he was impressed because he'd never been through kansas before and he's like you know can't he's like they, they told me it was flat he's like but kansas is is rolling it's got these beautiful hills and everything and then he made a comment he's like no no ohio that's flat and i had so many people you know they were in support of matt because he'd not called kansas flat they were really really happy with that quote that someone had come through and given a compliment to the landscape but i i remember that they were they were like yeah that horse guy like he was he was he was good he was a good guy i'm glad he came through it doesn't hit me until later you know all the things that he endured um and how much how much willpower he had to keep going The storm goes by, and I, uh, um, I end up, you know, picking my way into Missouri. Matt and Silver jogged north with the terrain and crossed the wake of a tornado that had come through in recent days. This one had found its way to a horse farm, shredding the stable as tissue paper. Six horses were killed, forty more injured. Missouri was a tough, was a tough state. It was nice to be someplace so green where there were hills and, you know, hardwoods again and things that you would sort of recognize in Michigan, I guess, that wouldn't be very foreign, you know, to, to the way I grew up. But it was harrowing in the sense that the, it, it felt like I had a logging truck bearing down on me every 10 minutes. Somewhere between the weather and the logging trucks, Matt discovered he had in silver a steadfast horse with a solid countenance. He was intelligent enough that he knew he didn't want to die either. He had some, you know, just like a mule, he had some concept of like, death is bad, let's not have that happen. And so, whereas a lot of horses have no concept of that and they don't really know anything about it and they just, you know, they could walk off a cliff, that he had a sense of self-preservation, even under circumstances that were, I'm sure, very scary for him and for me. Some situations Matt encountered in Missouri were scary but not of the type that Silver's resolve could help. Matt got a tick bite and developed ehrlichiosis, a flu-like infection that sent him to the hospital for a day. He stayed with a family whose odd environs left him concerned for the well-being of the child who lived there. And he made plans to stay at a farm that raised rodeo bulls. He'd been referred to the owner of that farm by some people he'd met along the trail. And that's usually how it went. I mean, a lot of the time when I would meet somebody, they would say, oh, I know so-and-so 20 miles down the road. Then they would know somebody 20 miles down the road or whatever. And so you are you sort of link up with these local networks. So in this case, somebody had linked me up with this person and and told me where to go. And it was one of those instances where you're just kind of sitting around talking but as Matt prepared to leave to get back on the trail, the conversation quickly took a, a turn. And he, he said something, you know, that, that it was pretty ballsy that I just, like, rode up, you know, to the ranch on, on, a, on horseback. The man pulled from his casual vocabulary a racial epithet, all to say that if Matt had not been white, he wouldn't have been welcome. He said, I would have shot you. And I was, I just, like, what? 
really? And then sort of leaving shortly thereafter, I wasn't going to give him the imp- any impression that I bought into that school of thought. But I logged it. I never forgot it. It, it made it very apparent to me that not just so you can extrapolate or project out immediately, not just in the state of Missouri, but across anyone you would meet, how much more difficult would this journey have been or would it have been achievable at all? You know, you have the the typical archetypes, man versus man, man versus, like, versus himself, man versus nature. You know, you can handle two of those no matter what your color is. Man versus himself, man versus nature. But if somebody is going to take from you your ability to travel or your ability to find shelter, you know, in a man versus man scenario, simply because of the color of your skin, that's one of the harder things to, to think about. You know, it's, it's insanity. There would be two more major storms this riding season. The first was Hurricane Dennis, which slowed him down in Missouri. It came up the Mississippi River. I mean, the remnants of it came up straight north. It was, you know, just days and days of solid rain. All of my memories of that period of time were just lying in that bed, journaling, and waiting out torrential rain that just sat there for days and days and days. The second was Hurricane Katrina, which made landfall when Matt was in Ohio. Matt and Silver had avoided this system, but like the rest of the country, couldn't avoid its impact. It was all people could talk about. You know, the the news for that, for the rest of the riding season, you know, uh, appropriately so, nationally was was mainly about Katrina. The storm surged, the levees broke in New Orleans. Americans trapped in their homes for days and weeks. More than 1,800 people died. I can't comment on that level of struggle. Um, the struggle that I encountered on the trip and stuff was was protracted. Whereas to be faced with something like that, where society has crumbled and it's an and and it's a national wound to watch the suffering of so many in real time. It was discussed and known and referred to hundreds of times from that point on as I moved east. And then I would even occasionally encounter people who had been been displaced and relocated. In adventure stories, the storm often represents a great shift. In the summer of 2005, America was shifting, and Matt within it. After Dennis and that hurricane's deluge in Missouri, Matt was ready for a crossing that would leave so much behind him. He planned to cross the Mississippi River on the St. Genevieve Ferry at a quiet crossing. His dad, Bill, and brother, Chris, came out for this seminal moment. It represented the last significant geographic barrier 
to, to finishing the trip. This is Chris Parker. You'd gone over two sets of mountain ranges. You'd gone through the desert. You were now crossing you know, the Mississippi River. Um, it, it felt like you were, you know, it was all downhill from here. You know, crossing the Mississippi for anybody doing anything, even if you're driving a car, it's, it's you know, you look out and you go, that's the Mississippi River, you know, and you, you realize how massive that thing is. The good news is it was, while significant, it was also uneventful. The horse got on without issue and the horse got off without issue. And the horse, generally speaking, stayed still while riding across the, what, what probably only took two or three minutes to ride across true open water there. It was really uneventful. So that was good for everyone. So we crossed, and there was this little campsite on the on the eastern side um, in southern Illinois, and and I camped out just right over there. And and I have some photos of of Silver rolling around on the sandbank of the Mississippi, watching the barges go up and down. I mean, it was it was a, a wonderful time. Everything about southern Illinois was magical. The next stretch of the journey would be one of Matt's very favorites. Unexpectedly beautiful landscapes and good people. It would also present Matt with the most harrowing moments of his third riding season. And as I ran in terror to the barn for the second time in less than a week, I demanded he tell me how bad it was before I got there. That's next time on Ride of Passage. If you'd like to see the photos that John Nowak took of Matt for the Ottawa Herald, head on over to the Ride of Passage page on michiganradio.org. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Special thanks to podcast editor Rachel Ishikawa and producer Brianna Rice. The Ride of Passage theme was written and performed by Bob Scon. Additional music by Blue Dot. Thanks for listening.